So we are jumping, let's just jump straight into the message this morning. We started a series last week called Glory. And so this series, we are going to be walking through John chapter 17, which is really, you've heard of the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew 6, probably the most popular prayer in the Bible. But I think John 17, if we were going to label a prayer the Lord's Prayer, it would be John 17, you know, because in, in Matthew 6, it, the disciples were asking Jesus how, how to pray. And it's funny because these, you know, these guys all were taught how to pray. They were all Jewish. But they've noticed that when Jesus prayed, things happened. And so they, they asked Jesus for a pattern. And in Matthew 6, he gives them a pattern that we know as the Lord's Prayer, incredible prayer. But in John chapter 17, it's a little different. Where actually it's the transcript, it's it's... It's one of Jesus with his own prayer. And we know that Jesus prayed a lot. He disappeared all the time. You know, the, the disciples, this was kind of a thing. They didn't know where he was a lot of times. Uh, you know, there was certain, certain moments where crowds would be pressing in to get to Jesus. And he would look at his disciples and say, all right, we need to go somewhere else. And he was constantly disappearing on mountains and gardens, on boats to pray. But we, we don't have really a lot of what those prayers sounded like. And what was he taught? What was he praying about? What was he asking for? In John 17, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. It's right at the end of the upper room discourse where he's telling his disciples what's about to happen, letting his disciples know he's been the CEO um, up until this point, but he was about to go to the Father. And he was preparing them for this, the, the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, that would be leading them and guiding them once he ascended. And so in this prayer, it's a beautiful prayer because it's of not only because Jesus is praying it, but what is in this prayer. And, and, and Jesus knew that, you know, chapter 18 was the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew chapter 18, at the moment that he was praying this prayer in John 17, he knew what Judas was doing. He knew that he was being betrayed by his, one of his closest confidants. He knew all this was going on. And he wasn't praying to stop it. He wasn't praying to circumvent the plan that was being in, put in place at that very moment to come and arrest him. And we, we know how that story ends. But in John 17, we're given a glimpse, an incredible glimpse into the heart of God and what it would look like to see a conversation between God the Son and God the Father. It's amazing. And so I want to spend a few weeks on it because it's so rich. And, we're, and so today we're just going to really focus on the first verse. And just in the first verse, there's, there's a lot there. And this is what Jesus does. I want you to notice what he doesn't do. <laughs> It says, after the upper room discourse, he looked to heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. He looks to heaven. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he may glorify you. I was raised Catholic. My, so I started going, when I first started going to church, my, my mom, she would get me and my little brother ready, and we went to a, a church, a Catholic church in Milton. And so uh, uh, we went through this confirmation classes. I actually got kicked out of the confirmation classes. Uh, my mom was able to pull a few strings, get me back in the confirmation classes. Uh, but I was an altar boy. 
And so I went through the whole thing, and the altar boys were basically just, um, you know, they were part of the service, and they did. I don't know what really a whole lot about what I was doing, but I knew I was the bell ringer. And so I, was, I would be on the side of the, of the altar, and I would try to, like, ring the bell at the right time. But when I would ring the bell, people would stand, and when I would ring the bell, people would kneel. And so I got into a lot of trouble with the bells, all right? So <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. And I, I, I mean, I remember going to, to Catholic church, and it was almost like a Simon Says. I didn't know what was going on. You know, it's up, down, up, down, like, you know, like, like a third baseman coach, so all kinds of signals and signs. And, and a lot of people, that is, the way that, that is the way that they worship, and it's rich to them, and it has a lot of meaning to them. And I, I'm not knocking it, but for me, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, I didn't know what it was, what it was about at that time. But I want you to see this in this prayer in John 17 because I want you to see what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't light a candle. He doesn't kneel. Doesn't put on his priestly robe. He doesn't light incense. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. He doesn't pull out the anointing oil. Come on now, Pentecostals. You know, he, do, he, doesn't, he doesn't do any of that. He says he looks up. And I think the first real principle, there's five things I want to give you out of this first verse. The first real principle I see is that physical posture when it comes to prayer doesn't matter. You can be sitting, standing, jumping, driving, surfing, fishing, hunting. Come on, right? A lot of clothes on, maybe no clothes. I don't know. Uh, you know but, but this lets me know that Jesus just looked up. A few chapters earlier when he's at the grave of Lazarus. And his sisters are there and, and they're mourning and they're weeping and he's been dead for four days and he tells them to pull the stone away. And they're like, Jesus, hang on now. He's starting to, a little smell coming from there. He says, it doesn't matter. Pull the stone away. He does the same thing. Before he begins his prayer, he looks up. And so I think when it comes to praying, you know, if you kneel, if you like to kneel, if you stand, you like to stand, you like to clap, if you like to pray out loud. I like to walk and pace and pray. That's just, I don't know why. I just, I just like to, to just walk back and forth. I don't, I don't know if there's a right or wrong in it. I think the, the whole, I think what God really cares about is not so much the physical outside. Even if we, you know, even, you know, those folks that pray real like, like King James Version prayers. You know what I'm talking about? The thus and the thou and, and real proper programmed prayers. And for some people, that's what they like. But I think when it comes to prayer, the one important thing is not our physical posture, but it's the posture of our heart. It's not what's going on on the outside. And it's not even about saying the right words because there's a lot of prescribed prayers and written prayers. There's great liturgy that's been passed down for hundreds and thousands of years. Powerful prayers. But I don't think the power is in the words. I think the power is in the posture of our heart. I don't think God's looking at the way that our hands are... And I, don't, I can't find folded hands anywhere in the Bible. But I do that, you know, I'll fold my hands and pray or close our eyes and pray. I do, you know, but Jesus looked up with his eyes wide open. I was reading about this old prayer. The Quakers used to go through this, this, this rhythm of prayer and they would start off like this. They would begin praying with their hands down. They would put their hands out with their hands down and they would ask God for anything in their life that they needed to let go of. And they would just spend a moment in there, just, just with their hands out like this. 
And God, what is, is there anything in my life I'm holding on to? And they would listen. And then after that, they would turn their hands up. And then they would ask God, is there anything in my life I need to receive from you? Joy, peace, strength, wisdom. And so I think the real goal and the real, I think what we see here in verse 1 is that God's looking at our, looking at our heart. Matthew 15, verse 8, Jesus says this, you know, these people talking about the Pharisees, the very religious leaders of that day who prayed in the streets for everybody to hear and see and they put on their prayer garments and their prayer shawls and everybody knew when they were praying. He said, these people honor me with their lips, look at this, but their heart, far from me. And so when we come to God in prayer, I think it's our hearts, it's looking at the posture of our heart and that's why I believe anybody can pray and, and a lot of times the folks that feel the farthest away from God are normally the closest. The ones who have been humbled, the ones who have been through some stuff in their life, and they feel like maybe that stuff disqualified them. I don't think that stuff disqualifies you. I think that stuff actually qualifies you. Because God's just looking for a humble heart. Come on, somebody. God's just looking for somebody, and that's bad. You know, and it may, it may come out in the physical, right? Because your heart is bowed, your knees will follow. But the heart is what God is looking at. The heart is what God is looking at. And so I love this, how Jesus, he looks up. He looks up. And then the second thing he does, he, he lifts his eyes towards heaven, and then he says, Father. At the grave of Lazarus, he lifts his eyes towards heaven, and he says, or towards heaven, and he says, Father. Matthew chapter 6 the disciples teach us to pray, Jesus. We need to know. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're praying and mountains are moving. People are coming out of the grave. We want to know how you do it. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our... And so, the, I, again, if we're going off of this prayer, the second principle that I, f I feel like we see here in the first verse is this pattern on how and, and who to pray to. Because there's a lot of people praying to a lot of things right now. <laughs> there's this popular thing called deconstructing your faith. And we've, you got Christians that are praying to the stars now in the universe. And all kinds of things. You know, dead family members. But I think the pattern we are, are given by Jesus here is that we, we pray to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us specific instructions on how to point our prayers. That we're not praying to, you know, you can pray to a lot of different things. But he says, when you pray, I want you to point your prayers towards the Father. When you pray, the second thing he says in Matthew 6 is, in that pattern of prayer, he says, I want you to use my name when you go to God. And in so many ways, what he's doing is, is he's opening up the family name to us. In the Old Testament, I can't find one recorded prayer where anybody comes to God and approaches him as father. I can't find one. This was a brand new concept to the world. This was one of the main reasons why the Pharisees hated Jesus so bad because he talked about God as his dad. And they didn't like that. And he went a step further. <laughs> Not only did he talk to God, every time he prayed he said father, but then he invites us to do that. And so there's this powerful, I think, picture here that we have access to God the Father through Christ the Son. 
And the agent that we have on the planet right now that I believe is in this room is the Holy Spirit. And he gives us the, the strength and the power. He helps direct our prayers because there's so many things we can pray about, y'all, you know? I mean, there's so, many, so much going on in the world, billions of people that are hurting. There, there's so much happening in the world right now. And, and if everything's a priority, nothing's a priority, right? If you pray about everything, I mean, you just won't come out of your house. <laughs> just, there's so much going on. And, 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 but the Holy Spirit pinpoints where, how, when, what, who. And I know you've had that happen to you. You just wake up in the middle of the night, somebody's on your heart. You ever had that happen? Or you're driving and you're like, I need to text that person. I need to take them to lunch. And then you find out what was going on in their life. And it was the Holy Spirit's way of directing you and guiding you. We pray to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing that we have that privilege and we have it because of the Son. He's invited us into the family. <laughs> He's saying you're now a son and a daughter, and you may not feel like it, you may not even believe it, but you are. So, so when you go to God, he, he's telling us to use the family name. Use his name, right? You know how you get favors when you know somebody? You ever been somewhere? And, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so, right? I, I, I know so-and-so. We just recently did that. We were traveling, and there's this, this little uh, clothing shop outside of uh, Breckenridge, and it's like this, it's got this following you got to get on a waiting list for five days to just get in there. And you're, you're limited to one clothing item a year. It's wild. And it's not expensive. It, it, reminds me, it reminds me a little bit of Patagonia, how Patagonia started. They make all their clothes in this shop. It's pretty amazing. And, uh, and so we, uh, Caitlin called. We wanted to go there. And last time we went to this little town, it's in Leadville, we seen a line around the block. This little bitty town, not many people, and then this one store had a line. I'm like, we got to go there next time. But anyways, long story short, we had two days left on our trip. They said, we're four days out. We can't do it. So you know, my wife is like the expert Googler. So she's like, she's, uh, she's figuring things out. And she found this little Google comment on their business site and said, ask for so-and-so and she can get you in. So she calls back and she uses this person's name and we got in, y'all. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm still, I'm going to have to give plasma for the, the price tag that we spent in there. But, uh, I, you know, I'll just kidding. <laughs> but uh, anyway, she used the name because she had an inside person. Never met her in my life. Didn't know who she was. Caitlin was able to talk to him on the phone. It was kind of cool. But we used an inside name. Jesus is saying, when you come to God the Father, use my name. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Why is that just tagged on on our prayers? Because we think it's cute? No, because it, we know that it gives us access. Jesus says, anything you ask in my name, come on now, anything you ask in my name. And so we pray to God the Father through the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like, the power of the Holy Spirit? I want to read this verse to you that's, that's not in your notes, but it's in Romans 8 verse 26 verse 26 said the spirit helps us in our weakness when we don't know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans how many of you are thankful for the holy spirit how many of you are thankful that we have that with us in every moment and there's not a place that you'll ever go on earth or outside of this earth where the holy spirit's not with you 
And that's, that's, that's critical. I think that's so important that we, we remind ourselves that because when we get into a place where we're at a, a crossroads, sometimes we can't get a hold of the pastor or the priest or the person that led us to faith, right? We got to know that we can go immediately ourselves, that we can go into the throne room. Why? Because we have the, the Holy Spirit in us. And he directs us and he guides us. And not only that, he puts things on our radar that needs to be on our radar. He puts people on our radar that need to be on our radar. He's, it's this great networker that's able to put us in the right place and connect us with the right people. And so Jesus knew this and he, he pointed his prayers to the Father. And I think that we should do the same thing. We point our prayers to the Father. So this, the third thing that he does is he, he prays to God. He, he says, Father, the time has come. The time has come for me to glorify you. And I want you to trace that one phrase there. Father, the time has come. It's used six or seven times in the book of John. When Jesus was at a wedding, they ran out of wine. You know, you can't run out of wine at a wedding, y'all. And so the, 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 person, the, the person over the party went to, to Mary and said, hey, we're out of wine and we're still, the guests are here and they're dancing and having a good time and we don't know what to do. All the stores are closed. No, 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 no. Jesus said, all right. The first thing, though, he said to his mom was, my time has not come. Again, John 7 or 8, he's teaching in the temple. The Pharisees try to get a hold of him. He uses that phrase, my time has not come, twice. But then in the upper room discourse, when he begins this, this teaching and he ends it with this prayer, he starts it off with, Father, my time has come. And so we, it's, it's amazing to me that a lot of what was happening in his heart and his soul was, had happened before the moment he looked up and began to pray. He knew when there were certain things that he couldn't do, and he knew when there were certain things that he could do. He was in tune, I think, with this rhythm, with this timing. And what I want you to notice in this prayer is Jesus could have stopped the plot that was forming to take his life. And we know he could. We know that he could have called for a thousand angels to come and get him off the cross. We know that. And he didn't. And what, he, what we see when Jesus comes to his father in prayer is he doesn't have a laundry list of things that he needs God to do for him. It's kind of the opposite. He comes to God open with a blank page in, in some aspects. And he's not coming to, to put his plan in front of the Father and say, I need you to bless this plan. The plan that has me not going to the cross. The plan that has me not filing for bankruptcy. The plan that has me not going through this, this crazy divorce right now. The plan that ha doesn't have me addicted and broken and discouraged. I want that plan. He didn't do that. He came to God and he submitted to discovering his will for where he was in that moment in his life. And I think a lot of times when we come to God in prayer, we start at the end rather than the beginning. And, and we want a lot, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. And I mean, that's why we pray. That's why we talk to God. But I think Jesus did, a, did it a little bit differently. And at the heart of this, I want you to see this, and I didn't find this. There's a pastor named Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a doctor, and then he became a, 
a, a seminary student, and he was a pastor back in the 30s and 40s. And he did a, a teaching on, on this series, and this is what he said about how important it is that we come to God as Father. He said that the person that doesn't pray very much, I'll tell you the real problem. It's that he does not know God as his Father. That's powerful. That's powerful because right now in the U.S., one in four children don't have a picture of what that looks like. That's powerful because even more than that, the picture that they do have of what that looks like is a little, little distorted. Dad's not there, or dad's mad, or he's angry, or he's, there's some tainted version of what dad is. And so maybe that's one reason why when we get in trouble, we don't go to God first, because when we were coming up, we didn't have anybody to go to. And Martin Lloyd-Jones pulls some treasure out of this. He says, the more that we can look to God as our, as our Father, the more we're going to pray. And I think he's right. Why did Jesus pray all the time? I think Jesus prayed more than any of the disciples. What was it about Jesus where he prayed so much? I think it was because he knew. He knew more than anyone that God was his Father. And that's what he was trying to get us to see. I think that's what he was trying to get the, the disciples to see, is that we don't approach God like he's in a corner unit at the very top of the, of the tower, and we've got to set up a meeting seven months out to get with him. And we, he may only have two minutes, maybe. If you've had good behavior up until that point, he might give you five. He said, no, come to God all the time, like he's your dad. Well, if you don't have a picture of that, that's real hard. And so, like, it's, it's, I don't know, everybody had someone in their life that protected them. Everybody had somebody in their life that believed in them. And you got to look back because they're there. You know, uh, um, Mr. Rogers used to do that all the time. I loved watching that show growing up. And he would say, I want you to take just five minutes right now and think about all the people that got you here. You know, mom, we all have a mom and dad, right? Whether they're in our life or not, they got us here. But he said, trace it back. He said, what happens if we can look at those people like they were placed there by God the Father? And so our view of God is so important. A.W. Tozer said it's the most important thing about a Christian. Because if we look at God as a, as a dictator, or we look to God as a as somebody that's just mean and don't have a lot of time for us, why would we come to him in prayer? And the other thing I, I, I've, I feel like we can draw out of this is there's not a better person that's going to give you an accurate view of your life and where you should lead your life than a dad that's involved and loves you. And you've got to know in God you have a dad that's involved and loves you. And so when we come to God in prayer, again, Jesus isn't coming with his list of things. He's coming with a blank sheet saying, God, what do I need to do? Because <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope here, and I can't figure this one out. And we know that, that, that the, you know, chapter 18, we know that he was really thinking about another way around this. Is there any other options in the cross? Is there any other options in the life that I'm in right now in this moment? And God the Father said, no, I just, just keep going. But he had that. 
So many people, I believe, that a lot of our stress and troubles is that we, we, we feel like we can't do that. That we just can't go to God with every... And I, I don't think there's, there's anything too small. I don't think there's anything too big. I think God just wants us to bring it to Him. He just wants us to bring it to Him. And He wants us to listen. And I think that's what we see in this verse is that we must be open to discovering God's will for our life even when it's not what we want. And that's hard, y'all. That's hard preaching, I know. I know that's, that's tough because we, a lot of times it's the opposite. It's I want to use prayer to get what I want. But God says, no, I, I want to use prayer to get what heaven wants into you. And sometimes it doesn't affect our situation. It may just affect us. Another preacher, Phillips Brooks, from the 1800s, he said this, The purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. And so we come to God with an open heart. We come to God ready and willing to discover what he has for us. And there's not a better person we could turn to. There's not a better place we could go. And so Jesus lifts his eyes up. He prays to the Father. He doesn't have any requests but one. He says, the time has come for me to glorify you and for me to be glorified. And so the whole title of this series came from that one word, glory, because you can't read this prayer in the 26 or so verses of this prayer without reading that word, glory. It's eight times in one prayer. But if you go back and look at his other prayers, even at La in the prayer of Lazarus, I keep going back to that one, but he looks up and he, he says it. He says, I'm praying so the people around me could know that you're real. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm, I'm saying this out loud because I want everybody to know and see your glory. He was concerned about the glory of God. I think that's our fourth principle that we can draw out of this is that when we come to God and pray, our top priority on that list should be the glory of God. Maybe a little filter could be if God answers his prayer is this going to bring him glory? Is this, is this going to... And that word glory, it's, it's a funny word. I mean, in the Old Testament, I'll just give you the definition. It meant weight. That which is important or honorable. The Hebrew word for glory means just this weightiness. It's, but then the, the New Testament, the Greek, means it's, it's, a, it's the opinion or fame of God. His glory. His glory. I heard it defined like... This is the sum total of all that he is, the manifestation of God's character. God, is this going to bring you glory? If I get that Lamborghini Diablo, I want it so bad. <laughs> I love those things when I was a kid. Is this going to bring you glory? I'll put Jesus right across the side of it. You know, come on, Lord. I'll put a fish on the back of it. Uh, you know, but anyway, you see what I'm saying is, is when we filter it through that one thing, is this going to bring God glory? Is this going to lift his name up? Because in that moment, that's all that Jesus really cared about. And it's such a beautiful picture of a son and a father. And he says, God, the glory that you gave me, I'm about to give it right back to you. God, the people that you gave me, I have taken care of them. But the time has come for me to go and to be glorified. It's so amazing. It's so incredible. But I, I don't know if Jesus was really worried about anything else. 
Here he is. I mean, he's only 33. He knows that he's about to head back to the Father. He's young. You know, he's, I mean, his ministry is coming really to an incredible completion, but it, end, it ends. It was only three years. And he's not praying about getting loose ends tied up. He's not praying about the hierarchy of the disciples. And they're already fighting over CFO and COO positions. And they're getting their parents involved. Like that, that's happening. That's all happening while he's praying this prayer. He doesn't mention none of that. He just wants to know, God, am I, am I making you proud? He's going to God for assurance. What is prayer? Man, it's, it may not even be words. It may not even be anything. I think we pray because we want God's assurance. Just like we want, a dad, you know, we want our dad to be happy about what we do in life. I think it's the same way when we come to God in prayer. It's, it's not even so much, I want you to do this or I want you to do that. But God is my soul will with you. Because everything else could be wrong. But if my soul is well with you, it is well. And so Jesus kept running back and back to the Father for assurance. Because the path got really rocky. And things got really tough. <laughs> and people left him and, and, and people betrayed him. And, and just like what's going to happen in our life, you're, we're going to experience suffering. We're going to go through seasons where we don't know what to do. And so we go to God for assurance. And sometimes that looks like silence, y'all. Sometimes that looks like just going back to the last place where you heard from God and sitting. I wish I could say I hear from God all the time. I don't, I don't feel like I hear this audible voice. A lot of people that do, they're in the loony bin. But no, I'm just kidding. You know, when you say that, God said, okay, hang on. But I think God speaks tr tremendously through his word. And I think God speaks to us in moments where we desperately need it. And it may not be this audible voice. It may be a text. It may be you just an encouragement that comes through so many different ways. We know God speaks through nature. We know God speaks through his creation. So many different ways. But the key is that we know who it's from. And I think that's what begins to happen is we hear from God in, in nature, so we just want to start worshiping nature. <laughs> or we hear from God in this certain way or this certain, and so we, we frame it around and go, this is how we're going to pray every time. But it's different and it changes. And I think the one key thing is that we're submitted to God's will, we're open for his voice and his leadership, and we're surrendered. We need assurance. I need it. You would think, you know, pastors know for sure they're doing what God told them to do. I don't always know that, especially when things get hard. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and when things get difficult, I think we all start questioning, am I doing what I'm supposed to do? Is this what I was supposed to give my life to? Is this what, I mean, I think we've all had that narrative in our minds, if we're honest. And even, and it's comforting to me to know that even the Son of God struggled with that when things got tough in his life. But he went back. He went back for assurance. The fourth thing, the final thing that Jesus did is he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He prayed, right, to the Father in the name of the Son through his own name in the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't come with a list of things that he needed God to bless or do. He came open with a blank sheet. But I want you to catch this. I'm going to read it to you first. 
verse 4. Jesus says, I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Well, again, this is chapter 17 of the book of John, and he hasn't completed it yet. He hasn't gone to the cross. He hasn't said it is finished. He hasn't been arrested. He hasn't been betrayed. But we see a resilience in his prayer to God, almost like it has already been done and settled in his heart. And that, my friend, is faith. That is Hebrews 11. It's the assurance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that right now I can't see. And what we see in this prayer with Jesus is he's, I mean, I think more important than anything is he's coming to God in faith. He's coming to God in assurance. He's coming to God in in boldness. He's coming to God knowing that, okay, if God said it, I can believe it, even if it hasn't happened yet. Jesus was a master at this. He was an incredible visionary. He could see things that did not exist and call them like they already were, and they happened. I've heard it said that a, a person that can see the invisible can do the impossible. I think that's what prayer does. I think it taps us into this supernatural where we can see things that other people can't see. We can believe for things that other people can't believe for. We can endure hardship and suffering because that's where greatness grows. And, we, and even in the middle of suffering, as bad as we want to get out of it, we stay because we have faith that God is working all things together for good. It's faith. It's faith. It's, I want to give you just three little subnotes under that. It's faith in God's power. That what I'm facing, that God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I don't care how many no's I've been given to to this point. That when I come to God in faith, I come to God believing that he's able to do it. A, A faith in his power. A faith in his, secondly, ability to help. Why would you ask somebody to help you if you don't think they have the ability to do it? Why would I go to a doctor that I don't respect? Because I don't think he can help me. You, don't, you won't do that. But when we have faith in God's ability to help, and the greatest way we see that, I think, is, is just through the power of testimony. When you hear about what God did for her or for him, and, and in that, I, mean, I mean, when we see that God can do it, or when we look back in our life and know, well, if God did it once, he can do it again. But we know that God is ready to help. He's willing. And then the last thing, faith in God's readiness to respond. I think prayer is the way that God gets his work done on earth. He uses praying people. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I know that we've all prayed for things that haven't happened. I know that. And I know we've prayed for things that have happened. But it's just, I think, the way God, God has set it up, it, it involves us in this process of what God is doing on the planet. It, it, it gives us this connection with God that we can lead our lives by. I want to tell a story as we close about a, a, young, man, a young man at the time named Conrad. It was 1931, and Conrad was working at a hotel, and 1931 was the Great Depression. 
And so if you go back in the, the stock market, it just collapsed in 1929. That led to the Great Depression of 1931. And Conrad was at the end of his rope and he was borrowing money from a bellhop to eat. And so part of his routine is he would walk by this hotel, the Waldorf in New York, which at the time was the largest hotel in the world. Just a little bit about the, the Waldorf. Um, it had its own hospital. <laughs> it had a train that ran through it. It had 200 chefs. And so Conrad would get off work and he would walk by that hotel and he would pray that one day he could buy it during the Great Depression. And so 20 years later, Conrad, he ends up buying the Mayflower, which is another hotel in Washington, and he starts buying hotels. He's up to three or four. Again, he was borrowing money from a bellhop. 20 years after the Great Depression, he buys this flagship. He had a picture, Conrad, on his desk of this hotel. And he would look at it and he would pray. He called it the, 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 the queen. The, the, it was like the one hotel that, that he wanted. And finally, he bought it. He bought a controlling share of this hotel. And Conrad's last name happened to be Hilton. And so he founded Hilton Hotels. And later afterwards, in his biography, they asked, how did you do it? How did you go from nothing to running this successful, incredible organization, bought the wall, you know, your, your, your dreams have come true. And in his, in his biography, he talks about when his little horse died when he was a kid. And he went to his mom and he was distraught. He said, Mom, I don't know what to do. That was my best friend. And he said, she, his mom said, Conrad, you know, when we face things in life that we don't understand, we need to take it to God in prayer. And it was that story, that moment that marked him. And I want to read just right out of his biography. My mother had one answer for everything, Conrad Hilton. It was prayer. He goes on to say, in the circle of successful living, prayer is the hub that holds the will together. Without our contact with God, we are nothing. With it, we are a little lower than the angels, crowned with glory and honor. So next time you see a Hilton or you, walk, you know, drive by a, a hotel, I want you to remember that that started as a prayer. That started as a vision of a man who was taught to pray by his mom and he kept praying and he kept circling. And so my question to you is, is what in your life are you praying for that's bigger than you? Because I know many people have been impacted by the prayers of Conrad Hilton. I know that. And it wasn't about hotels. It was about people. It wasn't about hotels. It was about doing what he felt God called him to do. And that was build this incredible hotel chain but what is God calling you to do is God calling you to pray for something so big and it just seems crazy because we need something I've, I've noticed when we have something in our life that we're praying about that's bigger than us it really gives God a target <laughs> because when he answers we're going to know it wasn't us and I love that about Conrad because he could have said a million things I mean the Hilton has run very well now right and he had business strategies and he had a lot of sharp intuition. But at the end of his life, he didn't give the credit to himself. He said, God, it was prayer. 
What is God calling you to pray for? Is God calling you to dream bigger? Is God calling you to pray for a country? Is God calling you to pray for this, I mean, maybe for a city or for maybe as small as just this, our local community. But when we have something bigger than ourselves that's motivating us, Jesus had this in his life. It was the joy set before him that kept him going, and the joy was you. We need that in our lives. So I want us to bow our heads, and we're going to go to God. Father, we thank you so much for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you haven't called us to pray small prayers. But you've called us to speak to mountains. You've called us to pray for the nations that they would know you. You've called us to pray big, bold prayers because you're a big, bold God. And so, Lord, I just pray even in this moment now, the Holy Spirit is speaking. Begin to write on the canvas of our hearts in this moment. Give us fresh vision for our family, for the business that we lead. Give us fresh vision for the community that we're in. Give us fresh vision, Lord, for the future and who you've called us to reach and what you've called us to do. God, remind us, give us that assurance when we get off track or we get confused or we feel like we're 10 million miles away from the will of God. Remind us that even 10 million miles away, you're still there. God, give us the boldness to pray big prayers, Lord. Give us the assurance to come to you as Father. God, we ask that, give us your Holy Spirit that you would pour it into us, God, so that we can pray the prayers that you've called us to pray, that, that they're just not scattered, but specific prayers. God, we just thank you. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice that we can come to God and use the family name. We thank you, Lord, that even right now in this moment, it says that you're in heaven interceding for your people and your children. And so, God, we thank you, and we give you all the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.